All right, day 298. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. I'm super, super excited today because we have a special guest, my brother Tim, on the podcast. Tim, what's going on, bro? What's going on, man? Appreciate y'all having me on here, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So Tim is a member of our church. A lot of y'all probably know him. Uh, if you go to Cornerstone, Tim is such a faithful brother, uh, loves the Lord, excellent teacher of the Bible and preacher, somebody I have a lot of respect for. So we're about to get in the text. Yes, so I'm feeling sir, good man. about it. Yes, um, so James. So today's the first day of James, and we're going through the whole book. Remember, James is Jesus's brother. Yes, sir. He's his brother. He was mm-hmm. a leader in the first church in Jerusalem. And unlike Paul's letters, the book of James is a Catholic or a general epistle, meaning mm. it was not written to just one covenant community, mm. but a group of churches, um, unlike Paul's, most of Paul's letters. And the structure you'll see is not super neat, um, but at the same time, he gives so much practical advice. He's yes. like, yo, this is right. how you live out your faith. This is how you live out what you believe. Yep. And uh, one of the cool things I think about James is it's kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. Yes, sir. Exactly. But at the same time, it's also like um, like an echo of Jesus's Sermon <laughs> right, on the Mount. And right. so you're going to hear so many themes that come from Christ, but also wisdom uh, in the tradition and uh, kind of mold of Proverbs. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see um, with James. You recognize his basic goal of this book is practice what you preach mm, so mm. um pro- professing christian yeah fleshing that thing out like this yeah. is what it looks like to practice practically live that thing out so he's just gonna work work through that um yeah. throughout the book yeah and then so so i love it bro because he ta- starts off he introduces himself right. and he calls himself james in greek is literally Jacobus, right mm. so it, it gives that that feel of jacob yeah. and then he says to the 12 tribes mm. so he wants these believers to see themselves as a continuation of the story from the Old Testament. That's good. And he starts off and says, yo, consider the great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and mm. let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. One of the paradoxes of Christianity, bro, and I've experienced mm. this in my own life, is that we can have joy even in the midst of suffering. Yeah. Right? And Paul says this, Christ says this, and James here is like, yo, you can have joy. Why? Because trials test our faith. And the testing of our faith produces uh, endurance. Mm. And endurance is not the end. The end is maturity, right? right? That you right. will become whole. That you will become uh, uh, like Christ, wholehearted devotion to God alone. And I think the reason primarily that mm. James is really saying we can have joy in trials is not because of how the trial feels. Not because of how it's feeling, but because we know what it's doing. Yeah. And it's yeah. making us more like Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt, man. It's uh, it's beautiful. Even you guys, y'all just finished Hebrews, and I think about Jesus learning obedience mm. through the things he suffered. So, like, Absolutely. this process is not new. It's it, We are following the way of our king, yeah, that, that yeah. Jesus is going through this same process. And even for us, it's easy for us to interpret our trials as mm. if God doesn't love us or care for us, but Absolutely. God is showing us what we run to during trials reveals what we trust in amen right so Mm. this maturity that he's seeking to produce and develop within us 
he wants us to grow in dependency. Christian maturity mm -hmm. is not knowing the whole Bible, word for word, line for line. That's good, and that's a beautiful part of this podcast where we want to really grow yeah. in our biblical knowledge. But Christian maturity is dependency on the Lord, and Amen. trials Amen. drive us into the presence of the Lord. Amen, bro. That's that's absolutely great. Uh, you know, and then he goes down in twelve and talks about man, blessed is the one who endures trials. <laughs> Because when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life that God has promised yeah. to those who love him. And I think that the proximate end, like the close end of or goal of our trials is maturity. Mm -hmm. But the ultimate end is that we receive the reward that God has it. held out to us. And I think I said this on another podcast, but yo, the reward always puts the requirements in perspective. That's good. Right? Knowing that we're going to receive <laughs> a crown, good. bro. All we got to do is get through it. <laughs> now, he ain't saying you got to be top-notch, uh, gospel globe trotter like the Apostle Paul. He just said, fam, if you make it through this life and stay faithful to Jesus, you will receive a crown. That's that's beautiful, man. Yeah. And even in um going down throughout that next passage, he's saying, look, mm -hmm. the, the thing about trials is we often seek to blame somebody for those trials, yeah. right? So don't blame God for these trials. He's, he's not tempting yeah, yeah. you. He's not trying to force you into sin. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. even breaks down that process, no, like, God tests us, yeah. but sin is what tempts us and drives us from the Lord when we're mm. experiencing trials, right? Yeah. So, like, suffering can easily make sin look very attractive. Um, mm. And when he's breaking that down, it's not mm. something on the outside mm, is happening. Good. It's something on the inside, and it takes time. He uses this language of this birth language, right? Like, yeah. sin just never... It doesn't just happen right, over right. time. It starts with our desires, and as our desires grow, it gives birth to death and he's just warning us and he's, he does that throughout um this book telling us don't be deceived do not be deceived yeah god is gracious he's a good and perfect loving father as he talks about in um in um, verse 17 as well who loves us and is seeking to prune and develop us um as we grow in him yeah absolutely man that's such a good word uh the, the difference right between testing and temptation mm -hmm. right yeah, like we have yeah. to remember that especially in the midst of suffering so and two, bro, this is one of my favorite passages in James. And I don't want to get too excited. <laughs> but James 2, bro. Yeah, James 2, he talks about the sin of partiality. Mm. And he talks about, you know, I don't even want to read the passage because of because of time. But I'm just explaining it. So in the first part, like 2, 1 through 4, he's going to use this word for partiality. And the Greek word he uses literally means receiving the face. And mm. what it means is, bro... It carries over this sense that um, in the ancient world that people made judgments and distinctions mm. simply based off of external considerations. Mm. And it's like, fam, <laughs> we do that so much now, <laughs> right? So the, the sin of partiality is being applied here to this mm. class distinction between the rich and the poor. Yeah. So a rich man comes in the service, he gets treated different than the poor. But the, the, the concept of partiality is can apply to race can apply to social status, can apply yeah, to man. platforming, all of that. And, bro, the thing I think he's trying to tell us, bro, is that we seem to neglect people who we don't see as immediately benefiting us. That's it. But we prefer and run to those who we believe can. That's it. You feel me? Yep. And then and then James, so he's pushing back <laughs> on his favoritism. I'm going to let you get it. I know you want some of this, too. I know you want some of this, too. You, so, you, you cooking. listen, bro, listen. It's so crazy because... Unfortunately, this is how our culture operates. But unfortunately as well, this is how the church mm. often on, operates, bro. On, like, listen, the, the people who are the most gifted, 
the most flamboyant, the most status, the most wealth. Those are the folks on the platforms who had all the conferences, yeah. who get the special treatment. And I yeah. wish we had time to talk about the folks when these folks and not saying everybody who has status in an earthly sense right. um, is guilty of right. immorality or abuse. But when they are, they don't even get treated how a regular <laughs> pastor or teacher or leader would get treated. Yeah, right. Man. And so we just see partiality through and through. And James is saying this is sin. Yeah. Yeah, man. James is prophetic, bro. <laughs> this man is, yeah, this is crazy. Even like you talked about how applicable this is to like our present time. Yeah. It's so interesting how he uses the Old Testament law to expose favoritism, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll see love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you also see him talk about do not commit adultery, do not murder. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because favoritism deifies one group because of their possessions and it devalues another group because of their lack of possessions. Whew. And adultery... It's not just, okay, I, I'm cheating on my wife, right? Mm, He's talking mm. about spiritual adultery where you're praising men mm. rather than God. That's mm. adultery, mm. right? Mm. And then he says, do not murder. This is you practicing hatred towards the poor because of their lack of possession, mm. right? And so he's exposing that. And it's so cool that he uses the the law to yeah. expose like mm. that sin. And even as he goes down, which is, is becoming, the more I read James, my favorite part, of the book mm-hmm. um, in verse 13 for judgment is without mercy to the one who is shown, who has sh- not shown mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part about that is even if you, th- if you think about the old Testament yeah. Exodus 25, if you read that, yeah. you see the location, you have the Ark of the covenant and mm-hmm. you have the 10 commandments with, within that, um, the that Ark, Ark covenant, yeah. and the mercy seat hovers over the Ark, mm. And so, He's teaching us at that point that God mediates his covenant, not through harsh criticism or judgment. He mediates his covenant through mm. mercy. Yeah. God yeah. overlooks our faults, mm. sees our needs. Mm. Right. And we see that, you know, beautiful picture of Jesus and, and him dying for our sins and giving us eternal life in him. Mm. Bro, that's that's. Fuego. This man got my mic, <laughs> got my mic about to sp- uh, start smoking in here. That's fire, bro. <laughs> And yeah, so so good, bro. Um, and so much we could say about that. Uh, but just moving along, bro. Uh, the end of two, he talks about the dead faith kind of mm. deal. It's not talking about that passage. Is not talking about. Uh, it's not giving a definition specifically right. of justification, but it is talking about dead faith, right? Yeah. Those who have true saving faith, it will be evidence in the works uh, that they bring forth. And we know um, he gives Old Testament examples for that as well. Yeah. Three, he talks about the tongue. <laughs> Another one of my favorite parts of James. Everything's my favorite part of James. Right? He says, not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive, we, he uses himself and Mm. he includes himself, will receive a stricter judgment. Listen, all of us are responsible for our own beliefs, but the tough thing about being a teacher of God's word is that you fail to realize the enormous amount of influence you have over other people's beliefs. And so God is like, Mm. yo... Fam. That's good, bro. Yeah, but you you don't you don't realize how much influence you have over what people believe, bro. I, know, I think I said it before. So many people would be like, I believe this because my pastor said it. And it's like, fam, what does the Bible say? Anyway, I think it was John Piper um, who, who said that um, books don't change people. Paragraphs do. Mm. Sometimes even sentences. And I think it's slight semi-hyperbole, but it's true nonetheless that our words, bro, uh, have the, have the power to change lives for good or for bad that's dope that's yeah. dope man that's that's beautiful yeah even at the end of chapter three 
Um, him just talking about the difference between this godly wisdom and this earthly wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, and even as he transitions, just showing that wisdom is not in the words we say, but in the way we live, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at that list, he talks about being um, pure, peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, right? And so yeah. in our culture, those who are wise are those who can articulate themselves well, maybe be um, very charismatic mm. um, in a lot of different ways. But James is saying, no, like this is what true wisdom looks like. It's yeah. about how you live, you know what I'm saying? And, and at the end of that, producing um, a harvest of righteousness that, you know, cultivates, you know, peace. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And then in four, he goes on and he kind of slides down with uh some people would say with the the theme of talking right the, the, the theme of the tongue go ahead yeah four I, is, I see listen it. Yeah, man yeah. four is so yeah the, the beautiful thing about four is and for me i've been doing this maybe like the last two years since i've been a christian hmm. if i if i'm going through some type of conflict i can just read chapter four all the way through yeah. and at the end of it i can identify the root of it mm. <laughs> you feel me so mm. he starts with there's conflict on the outside he asks the question like what's the source of wars and fights among you yeah they're coming from passions on the inside of you and it's like Dang. oh yeah covet um cannot obtain so you fight in core you have not because you ask not yeah and the shift in verse four is he's like you adulterous people and you're like hold on like where is that coming from but he's talking about this idolatry is rooted in spiritual adultery mm. we love ourselves mm. more than we love god the mm. one who has established covenant with us mm. by the precious blood of jesus right and yes. so yes, he's breaking it down like this is the core issue it's our hearts what's going on outside of us mm. is a, a picture of what's going on on the inside and mm. then he just gives a beautiful picture of what repentance looks like submitting to the lord mm. fleeing from the devil um, um, well, um, let me go back. Resisting the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll right. draw near to you. So, just mm. a beautiful picture and super practical for us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like the humility, right? So he says, yeah. "God, you know, opposes poor, uh, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble." All of that takes humility to see uh, and to repent of as well. And finally, in five, he comes and gives a harsh word to the rich. So remember, in James, there's this class thing going on between the rich and the poor, and oftentimes you can tell when he's talking to the rich or the poor. Cause he'll say to the rich, but to, you know, the brothers and sisters, the folks who've been oppressed, he's like brothers and sisters. Right. Right. And so, uh, at the top he talks about, yeah, an indictment, right. He gives an indictment to him, but in verse seven, he switches, right. Who he's talking to. Um, and he says, you know, mm. even in light of your oppression, he urges them to be patient. Right. And so mm. it's not saying that, um, we kind of just let people oppress us and roll over that kind of deal. Um, we do fight back with the means God has given us, uh, and that's probably another podcast. But at the <laughs> but at the same time, He does tell them to be patient. And so in yep. seven, He says, "Yo, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming." Yeah, man. Verse eight, you must be patient, strengthen your hearts, because the Lord's coming is near. Verse ten, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, again, man, I think I've said it a ton. And I'm going to say it because the next few episodes talk about it a ton is the second coming of Jesus is an integral point or uh, part of the gospel. Yes, sir. And we are mm. called to be patient and to wait, uh, hopefully and expectantly on the Lord. Why? Why does he bring that up here? Because Jesus is going to bring his judgment. He's <laughs> yes. going to judge these cats. Yes. Even when ain't finna had a last word. Yes. Christ does. Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah. Just to um, close out on James, man, just seeing he ends off talking about praying, mm -hmm. right? So yes. Yes. he's just talking about praying and, um, verse 16 where he says therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed the Amen. prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect and then he'll use the example of 
Elijah. Um, and just a reflection on this mm-hmm. passage, man. We receive God's healing power through the act of confession and the gift of community. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. we if we want to actually experience God, we cannot do that in isolation. Amen. We experience repentance, we experience restoration, mm-hmm. we experience the resurrecting power of the gospel yeah, yeah. with people. Right. Amen. And that's just a, a a poignant word for where we are right now as we um, yeah, just people are getting back in church and mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like we're going in this process where we're trying to figure out what church looks like together and how important it is for us to be with one another and confess our sins to one another. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah. Ah, let's pray about it. Yeah. Father, we uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of James, God. We thank you for how practical your word is. Help us to live out what we say we believe, Lord. We know we can't do that without you. We know we need your strength and we know we need humility. God, would you give us those things in community with one another so we can do what you've called us to do. Mm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.